Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome to another episode of CookieCast. Today on CookieCast, the football podcast. We've got everybody today, all hands on deck, we're all making predictions, we're all talking about last week's games, finding out who won the week, talking news, it's all here, it's all wrapped up in a nice little package just for you to enjoy. While you're enjoying, please do consider subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. It does mean the world to us. So, let's get cracking. Here we go. This is CookieCast, the football podcast. Recording in progress. I mean, she she would know, wouldn't she? She would know. Which again, I think is weird because I'm pretty sure... No, doesn't matter. Anyway, it's that time of the week. It isn't at all that time of the week. It's much later in the week. But hey, we are still here. We're still going to talk about a sporting event of some description... And it'll surely have a ball involved. It just depends what the shape of that ball is. And in this week's episode, it's a hexagonal ball. That's right, this week, ladies and gents, we're looking through the hexagonal window. No, it's football, and it's the football podcast, so I hand you over to Paul Williams to ease you in gently. Thank you very much, Mr. Clark. Yes, welcome along, ladies and gentlemen. Um, you'll be getting your, your weekly dose of football-based knowledge, football-based nonsense, football-based banter. Just just all things football, really. Some wins, some losses. Just goals. Goals everywhere. What can I say? For you audio listeners, me and Paul are never alone. We have voices in our heads, we have the people that follow us around shops, and when we're talking football, we have the mighty, mighty additional hosts, additional co-hosts. I, I, I one day hope to assume the role of controller, um, leaving you gentlemen to all be respective hosts. And as Paul is the host of the football podcast, Matthew Moore being the host of the Pursuit of Happiness podcast, and Stuart Woodmancy being the host of the Getting Over podcast. Hello, hello. We're all here and we're ready to talk football. So, Paul, where do we go first? Well, obviously games took place last week, possibly even last night, that we, uh, that we need to discuss. So, uh, let's, uh, let's start... With last week's game, shall we? Sounds about right to me. Should we address the elephant in the room being the reason that we're recording later this week, or should we throw him under the bus later? Well, I'm sure he'll. I'm sure he'll come to that when he discusses the second game of this week that involved Hull City. You're saying he's going to dive under the bus himself? Interest. So. There was three and a bonus, not a bonus ball, three games and a bonus game, a 
a pickup. Um, first of three games, Middlesbrough. They went up against Reading. So, Paul, Middlesbrough versus Reading. Anybody going to be absolutely elated with the score in this game? Uh, I'm sure there'll be some people out there who have this down as a 2-1 Middlesbrough win. 2-1? Maybe not in the way that it came about. It's, it's a strange one, this one, because this, this is sort of the unofficial Williams derby in, in my head, because spent three years rotting away in Reading, uh, you know, getting uh, getting a qualification that I'm using every single day of my life to uh, better myself and stuff like that. So, you know, big up the University of Reading. Um, yeah, uh, Reading took the lead in this one with uh, everyone's favourite Geordie, the, uh, the lanky bastard known as Andy Carroll. Scoring a looping header that just managed to nestle its way into the, uh, into the corner of the net. Uh, but this Middlesbrough side, they're, they're built a bit different. They don't seem to know when they're beaten. Uh, they got an equaliser in about the 80th minute, I believe. I haven't, I haven't, I haven't actually checked it. I, I, was, I was too busy just sort of seeing that they'd scored and was like, ah! <laughs> um, just check. It's hard to see the scoring time when you've got your shit. 84th minute was when they got the equaliser, uh, and that was uh, it was it was a, it was a trio of headers um, in this game. It was Andy Carroll got the first header for Reading, Matt Crooks with the equaliser on the 84th minute, and for the third game in a row, Middlesbrough scored a 90-plus minute winner with a, another header from. Mr. Matt Crooks. This came off the back of um, it was another assist as well for Isaiah Jones, which is interesting because I believe this week, coming off the back of the FA Cup from the previous week, there's been a lot of talk in the papers about ooh, Middlesbrough's right back must be pretty good if Jed Spence is, you know, if they've allowed him to go out on loan, blah blah blah, uh, and Isaiah Jones prove just how good he has been by popping up with yet another assist. So, happy days. But yeah, 95th minute winner for the third game in a row. Happy days. Well, it is happy days. Because it's happy days for us. And I mean all of us. There's points, points, points in this game. Unfortunately for me and you, Paul, just a point apiece. We correctly predicted Middlesbrough to win, but not correctly enough. And of the three goal scorers you predicted, didn't get uh, didn't get crooks. Um, I'm in the same boat. I did not of the two I predicted. However, as we know by now, if there is a correct score to be had, one of these two gentlemen here is absolutely going to get it. Or both of them, because both of them went for a 2-1, so it's two points apiece. If only one of them had put Carroll to score, 
Stuart Woodmancy takes an extra point. Three points to you, sir. Congrats. Anybody who's keeping score, and all of it is important, it's a, it's a one for me and Paul, two for Matt, three for Stu. Speaking of Matt, his team took on the mighty Millwall. Nottingham Forest, Millwall. Matt, were Millwall really that mighty, or did Nottingham Forest have enough to put them to the sword? They were, they were, they, apparently they played quite well, it was quite an even game, but um, the, the, the podcast's favourite striker, the 60 goal a season striker that he is, Lewis Graben popped up to emulate the Middlesbrough Late Late Show to come up with a not quite as late as 95th minute, but the 91st minute to, uh, to take, take the three points back up the M1. Uh, to Nottingham after risking their life to go to Millwall, which I think is <laughs> not that consensus. Um, but yeah, yeah. So yeah, decent result. Um, apparently, a forgettable, a forgettable game. Um, and yeah, yeah. So but yeah, nice to come away with the win. That's the kind of kind of things that you need when you're pushing towards the higher end of the league. So yeah, yeah. So. In the previous game, me and Paul were in the same camp, very much in the same camp. And in this game, me and Paul were very much in the same camp because both of us predicted a Forest win, not quite a 1-0. We both went with a 2-0, but it's still points. A little bit of point for you, a little bit of point for me. Mm-hmm. Um... Neither Stu or Matt got points for scores because uh, a draw and a Millwall win ain't going to cut it, I'm afraid. Both me and Paul had the foresight to think he's got to get them 60 goals from somewhere. Both of us predicted grab them. Two points each. Absolutely glorious. So, for this game, two for me and Paul. Bagels with locks, I'm afraid, for Matt and Stu. Now then, three games this week. And our third game... No, because the other one's a bonus game. It's three games this week. I'm trying to, I'm trying to get people to forget about the fourth game because it's not important as far as the scores are concerned. <laughs> Stu. Hull City took on Stoke City. Do you have any insight into this game? Close well, personal insight into this game? This, as we, we mentioned last week, was the first of my two trips to the MKM Stadium uh, within a matter of days. So it was kind of nice to be um, almost feeling like a regular again for, uh, for a short period of time. That was until the... Referee started the game and then remembered, actually, oh yeah, we were absolutely dog shit. So, <laughs> Stoke just ran through the midfield like they weren't even there. Um, I think it might have been mentioned that I'm pretty sure Hull were playing sort of a four-zero-two formation because I didn't see anybody in midfield at all for the entire, entire game. Um, 
Paul may or may not be happy as an older boy scored for Stoke. Um, however, Stoke easily ran out 2-0 winners and the goals were scored in the 22nd minute by Brown and the 50th minute by old boy Tom Ince, who celebrated like he'd just won the lottery. <laughs> From a scores perspective, one of us is going to be happy with the score. The rest of us, no dice. Um, Paul, you put down a draw and you didn't get either of the goal scorers. Matt, you thought Paul knew what he was up to. You put down a draw. Neither of the goal scorers. I had Hull down to win. None of the goal scorers. But, I don't know whether it was because he was going to be there or because he was like, I'm just, I'm just going to roll the dice one last time and put my team down to win. Oh wait, no, that's right. Uh, this was the week where Stu decided to go against his team. Put Stoke City down to win. Points on the board. So the only person getting a point out of this game is Stu with one point. So, I'm going to give you a breakdown. And that breakdown looks like this. Paul, you've got three points so far for the week. Matt, just two. I myself have three points as well. Storming. Into the lead with four. Stuart would not see. But there was a bonus game. A bonus ball. If this was the lottery, it would be the bonus ball. And again, Stu suited up and went off to watch Hull City versus Blackburn Rovers. Um, believe me, when the man says suited up, Jesus, it was called. <laughs> forget, you forget like midweek games in winter. Oh my god! Um, yeah, it was it it it, it was a risk, shall we say? Uh, however, um, I'm sure we'll get into the news a little bit later on. But Stoke was the last game under the rule of the old chairman, because the takeover finally happened. So, f completely fresh regime, if you like. And um, even though it was essentially the same team on the whole, there was two two changes, but. Yeah, it was literally like a different team turned up to play. Blackburn have been absolutely on a tear of late. Third in the league, I expected a cricket score. Um, and before the game, uh, my mate Rich, uh, Rich Walker, he turned to me and said, something stupid's going to happen tonight. We're going to win. I was like... <laughs> I mean... Was he didn't drive through, so he could quite easily have had several beers by this point. But the man was dry. <laughs> well, he called it, and yeah. So the second game in a row at the, at the uh, MKM Stadium did finish two nil, but this time at least it was in favour of of Hull City. So uh, the goals were scored in the seventh minute by George Honeyman, and uh, in the sixty seventh minute, ball came into the back post, towering towering over everybody. Is uh, everybody's favourite useless striker that actually managed to find the net this week in Tom Eaves. Paul's really happy about it, look, you can tell. He's so bad. I mean, he, he's got <laughs> I mean a goal. I'm sure Paul won't mind me telling you that um, 
I did have a bit of a chuckle when I checked my phone after the game, and the first thing I saw was a message from Paul saying, if that useless piece of scored for you, it's got to be your night. <laughs> Actually, like, I was chuckling away after that. I, I watched it, and fair enough, he did he did his job well. He's he's a tall, annoying striker at the end of the day, isn't he? So his job is there to just basically put the defenders off. Mm. But his touch is so, so bad. I will say, though, that as well, I think, um, with, uh, barring sort of two little spells from Blackburn, and, and the fact that we sit we sit so deep, we give them so much space in the midfield, which was obviously the problem from the Stoke game. There must have been something in the air, though, whether it was the takeover, whatever, but I feel like they absolutely got away with two, two instances in particular whereby Blackburn blatantly should have had a penalty. <laughs> blatantly should have had a penalty. Um, and then also to match that, for Eves' goal, Eves wasn't fouling the goalkeeper, but they sent another man in on the on the keeper. Um, they actually, they, I don't I don't know if you've I don't know if you've seen it back, but they actually, they actually slowed it down on the replay on Sky. And basically, she was in McLaughlin. Yeah. So they just they just like the camera sort of pans, and you can just see McLaughlin just do this. Look for where the keeper is, and then they just go. Just basically yeah. just running at the keeper. Oh, yeah. But, as, you know, as, of the highest accord, lovely. You love as, as, as always, though, uh, gif, gifts of points are greatly accepted, especially at our end of the division. So, um, not a game we expected anything from, but very, very happy with the result. So, yeah. Yeah, uh, absolutely. It was a, it was definitely a, a turn up for the form table because Blackburn were top of the form table going into that game as well. They hadn't lost in at least six. So. It's alright though, because the team that's taken over at the top of the form table must be some team. <laughs> is, that, is that a very specific form table also within the last five minutes of the game? Because then that's even more... Uh... <sighs> no, but the, the, the stats, I'm pretty sure we might have covered this um, earlier in the season, before, before Chris Wilder took over... Um, it was something like ridiculous, like 70, 78% or something like that of Borough's goals were conceded in the second half of the game. So they just, under one, they just, just knackered and just ran out, of, ran out of stamina. So whatever Wilde has got doing in the six six to eight weeks that he's been in charge is ridiculous. But they were saying drug testers need to go up there. After <laughs> <laughs> hey, do you know what? He might just have them on the Viagra. Get the oxygen in that blood. Lovely. <laughs> I mean, I know sometimes that you have that striker that you just want it to go in on F- go in off anybody part, but I mean, that's getting ridiculous now. I know this is the wrong the wrong sport, but I saw something about OBJ, how he'd had a good game, so they drug tested him immediately. <laughs> oh like, God. immediately, they were like, uh, got you booked in for a drug test in the morning. <laughs> it's like, um, so, Hull City 2, Blackburn Rovers 0. Uh, Paul, you did not get that score. You were uh, 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 big in the camp of uh, Blackburn Rovers doing one on, on the Hull team. Luckily for you, though, you did predict Honeyman to score. One point. Stu went with his standard tactic. Best get the other team a goal. Blackburn Rovers 1, Hull 0. It's not going to do it, I'm afraid. Matt 
even further in the camp of uh, Blackburn's gonna gonna turn over Hull. But we all know that Matt loves the Honeyman, so another point for you, sir. Look at him! Look at the look at the joy in his face when he's forgotten that he picked him. <laughs> I think I messaged you last night. I said, like, ah, I didn't go with my boy, and then I did. I thought you did. You did. Oh, that's right. I put a hull to nil. I also had Honeyman to score, so that's uh, three points for me. Um, scores for the week. Paul, four. Stu, four. Matt, three. I'm winning the week with six points. This guy. Six points. I took three out of the last game. What? Who knows what's going on here? Hull winning games. I'm winning the week. Surprising result results in another surprising result. It's when he said bonus game. We should have known something was afoot because that clearly was a bonus for Mr. Cook. Well, Paul's like, oh, there was four games. I was like, there wasn't. Let, let's forget about the fourth game. Oh, so, so we can cancel that one then? Yeah, yeah, if you like. We'll uh, <laughs> have to give their I mean, points back, No, obviously. because I still want the points for yeah. the team. So. You can't have both ways, Stu. It's one way or the other. <laughs> So, Paul, where next? News and reviews? Might as well do next week's games oh. and then we'll leave it for uh, this week in football at the end as I think we've got we've actually got some, some bits to do this week. So. Lovely stuff. So, Sweet. I am reliably informed again for games. Seems to be some double dipping from certain teams. Three games this week, yeah. And a bonus. Three and a bonus. <laughs> We're starting out with Nottingham Forest taking on Derby County. Matt, you will predict this game last. So, Stu. I've gone for Nottingham Forest 1. Derby County, nil. Yes. And every time I pick Graben, he doesn't score that game. So, I'll, I'm just giving you boys that information now, so that when I tell Andy I'm picking Graben, you can change your picks accordingly if you'd like to. Okay. Well, Stu, unfortunately, I've already put my pick in the book, and my pick is 2-0 tonight on Forest. Graben... And Zinkenagel to score those goals. Paul. Four I do think Forrest will win. But Manager. I think that I think that Derby will shit out their way to a goal. And Two it'll one. probably be scored by Tom Lawrence. Two one. And he'll probably give it all the big licks. It'll be all this. It'll be some sort of like, you know like some sort of like weird celebration. Because let's be honest, he's a twat. So <laughs> Um, no, no, that I I will go two one, and hopefully that second is scored in the hundred and eightieth minute or something like that of, of a ridiculous amount of injury time or something like that. But just like it, it's one of those ones where you just hope that like Derby go one up 
and then Forrest just smash and grab it right at the end, just to just to really hammer home the fact that Derby lost and stuff like that. You know, a real a real punishing loss for a team that, let's be honest, get everything they deserve. Let's be let, let, let's not let's not beat around the bush. Let's call a spade a spade. <clears throat> their 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 fans are certainly calling spades spades at the moment. So let's not pull any punches. Yeah, I'll go two one two one Forest. Um, Lawrence to score for Derby, uh, and a grab and brace for for Forest. Why not? Lovely stuff, Matt. Talk to me. I mean, you've, you're all very optimistic. Um, for, the Forest Derby games go one or two ways. Either they're either a draw, or someone gets absolutely stuffed. And generally, it's the team that aren't playing very well that gives the other team a really good stuffing. Now, I can't predict that them that bunch beat us by like three or four one or something like that. So I've gone for the one all draw. Um, uh, as as many Forest fans are joking on various social media sites, the the last East Midlands derby or something along those lines. <laughs> Excellent. Um, it depends on how their financial woes go. So I've got one each. Um, Joe Worrell to score for Forrest. And me and Mr Williams are on the same wavelength when it comes to Derby scorers because he is a ratty little bastard. Um, Tom Lawrence. Also, there was a vicious rumour today that Forrest were interested in signing. And if Forrest do sign him, I'm no longer on this podcast because I'm no longer a Forest fan. He is in the Robbie Savage ranks. The uh, you know put anybody in that list of players that if he signs for my club, the club can get stuffed because you've sold your soul to some tiny little devil child. My mate, my mate Steve's got some of them. He's a, he's a Man United fan, but he's he's got like a list of about five or six players that he said if they ever signed for United, he'd, he'd be absolutely heartbroken. Um, top of the list, Pepe. No, no explanation needed. The guy's an absolute prick. Um, need I say more? But yeah, I know. It. I, I know exactly what Mister Moore's got coming out there. Yeah, you, they're just players that you just absolutely you do not want to see your team linked with. Martin Wagon, one of them. Yeah. And, uh, thankfully, yeah, he was linked with Borough. Yeah, but thankfully he was linked with Borough, and then you know. The Derby saw a lot of sense and decided to pay ridiculous amounts of money to sign him. So. But then he's also that he's also that guy that when he has played for your team, plays crap. Apart from then when he's playing against your team. Yeah, but that's that's what that's what adds to his. And I put in this word in inverted commas charm. So, <laughs> yeah, we digress anyway. Sorry. So, AFC. Bournemouth taking on newly winning games Hull City so Stu you will go last I am going to go first Hull City 1 AFC Bournemouth 0 and I am well and truly on board the Honeyman train it's great to say, it's great to predict, it's even better when he scores. Let's do this. 
Matt. I have gone two each. Two apiece. Bournemouth concede a lot of goals. Um, I've gone Solanke and Billing for Bournemouth. And Lewis Potter and Longman to the, this this week. Um, for Bull. Lewis Potter and... Longman. Longman. Paul. Uh, I'm uh, liking what's been put down so far. I would like to also go for a draw, but just 1-1. I will go for Tyler Smith to score for Hull. Okay. Just refreshing my uh, my memory of Bournemouth shit houses. Uh, Mark Hondes seems to have been amongst the goals recently, so I think he'll get back on the score sheet again. Go on then, Stu. Well, if you cast your mind way back to the beginning of the season and there was that really optimistic start, you know, fresh league, the gun, spank Preston, and, well, like last night had that kind of air of fresh start about it again. So you know they've, they've they've gone out. They've uh, they've had their good win. Anybody else remember what happened just after the Preston game? That's right, they got their pants pulled down. So um, I have gone for Bournemouth three, Hull one. Plus, it's a long way to go in it. <laughs> you know. Um, so I've gone for Solanke, Lerma, and Christie. And then for Hull, because he's now way overdue, Keen Lewis Potter. Some good chances last night. He had some. He did. Yeah. To be fair, he had some chances in the Stoke game as well. And <clears throat> how how he hasn't come out of those two games without hitting the net. There was there was a free kick that he, he missed seemingly by inches that was into the goal that we were sat behind last night, and he was practicing the exact free kick from the exact spot where the foul took place. And in the in practice, he didn't hit one of them. So we're like, oh, that's it. He's got all his bad ones out of the way. No, no, still didn't hit the goal either. <laughs> that, was, that was close, that one, though. He only, he only just missed the post. Mm. He did that in, with his practice ones. Like They were getting closer and closer and closer, and then he had to get he had to go in. And when it was the exact spot that he'd been taking them from before, like Rich got really excited about it. He was like, that's it, that's it, that's it. And then, uh, yeah, nothing. It was a shame. He's, he's, he worked hard last night, I thought. So that moves us on to Blackburn Rovers taking on Middlesbrough. Now, initially, this was a difficult game to find in the upcoming games because not on Saturday, not on Sunday. So immediately, you, you jump to your Tuesday, Wednesday sort of area. Nowhere to be found. Reliably informed. Monday! Monday night football! Ba 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 ba! Biddle biddle. So, Monday night football, and I believe if you put your telly box on, it'll be there. Blackburn Rovers taking on Middlesbrough. 
So, uh, yeah, Middlesbrough's, Middlesbrough's task has been made rem- uh, remarkably a little bit more easy by the fact that a certain uh, chilly adjacent superstar uh, is not available for said game as he is uh, probably going to be on his way to Chile for some games of international football. So, hey, who ben, is this? Ben, Brer- ben Brereton, four extra letters, will not be in this game just in case anyone needs that information before they make their prediction. I did need that information before making my prediction because I was like, oh, no. (laughs) (laughs) So, Stu, why don't you let us know what you think is going to happen in this game? Blackburn won, Middlesbrough won. I've gone for Gallagher. And Sporra. I thought for a second you were going to take my 1-2 prediction. But you didn't. 1-2, Blackburn Rovers 1. Middlesbrough 2. Buckley to score for Blackburn Rovers. Sporra and Crooks to score for Middlesbrough. Matt... I'm also giving Middlesbrough two goals, and I've also picked Crooks and Sparrow. And uh, yeah, he won't say it. But previously, I'd said I'd gone for a Brereton Ben Brereton Diaz double, just so I could say Ben Brereton Diaz. I was going to say Ben Brereton Diaz, and then another Ben Brereton Diaz goal, just so I could say it a good few times to wind him up. But then that scuppered it or did it. I've got to say a few times anyway. Uh, so instead, I'm going to go with the old boy Ayala. Um, and uh, the Spurs player that they've just signed, who looked quite good, Markande. Markande? Actually, Mark and Andy with an A between the D and the Y. So there you go. He looked quite good. <laughs> go on then, Paul. Um, Stu took mine, so I'll have to uh, I'll have to reuse. Uh, I, I also believe it will be one-one. Uh, sadly, all runs have to come to an end, and I do think this is a game too far for us to carry on the winning run. Sadly, so yeah, one-one. Um, I was going to go for Joe Rothwell to score the goal for uh, for Blackburn, but then uh, Matt reminded me that. Daniel Ayali used to play for Borough and hasn't scored for them in a while, I don't think. So, he only was used as a sub last night, though, if that's... Yeah, but Mowbray's an ex-manager, also an ex-player. I think he'll... Uh, I think part of the reason he didn't play him last night was to keep him for the weekend. What, Monday? Um, so I can fully I can fully see Ayala scoring and then just going full wind-up merchant. So... Uh, Ayala to score for Blackburn and I'm going to go for a first in Middlesbrough colours for Balogun Lovely stuff He's indeed the kid on loan from Arsenal Now we have another game it's another situation where we've got a bonus game to predict but we are going to have to take a short commercial break so we will be right back in a minute. 
Recording in progress. There we go. The lady says, so we must do. Bonus football game. Here we go. Which team is double dipping this week? It's Matt's team this week. Nottingham Forest take on the most Yorkshire club in the land. Barnsley. That's right. So, where do we go here? Clear we're not going to Matt because he gets picked last. Uh, Paul. Not only are they the most Yorkshire club in the land, but the most bottom club in the championship. Even with even with Derby's huge points deduction, Barnsley are that shit that they're bottom of the division. They got. Uh, I think they're about four games in hand though, as well, due to COVID stuff. I think. Please. Matt sat there thinking, Paul, don't foreshadow this because we all know what's coming now. <laughs> I mean, it does have all the hallmarks of a 1 0 Barnsley win. Um, I'm just trying to think if Borough have played that. Take his first answer, Andy. Take his first answer. It's in the book. I've got to accept your first answer. I don't know if Borough have played that season. You want me, to put, you want me to put a Borough, day, a Borough own goal? <laughs> Lovely. Um, now I'll go 2-0 Forest uh, Graben for one uh, and I'll, I'll tempt fate by going for a Brennan Johnson goal even though, even though he might not even be a Forest player by this point next week See, if the, if the rumours are anything to go by. Keeping in line with previous games, you and I are very close on this one. I have also gone with a 2-0 Forest win. I've also picked Johnson, but I've gone with Taylor as well. Decided to mix up some goal scorer this week. Stew. Raging. I have also picked 2-0 Forest. Johnson is also one of the ones on my sheet. And I've gone for callback for the other one. <laughs> Love it. Oh, 2-0, Matt. Just... Yeah. There's a two-goal difference between the two clubs. But I've gone 3-1 for Forrest. For a second, he had us going. 3-1 for Forrest. I've, I've gone for the very rare all-strikers scoring. So I've got young Keenan Davis getting his first goal for Forest, Graben getting one, and then old Lyle Taylor doing a little cameo at the end, getting the third. And then I think it's Isha for Barnsley getting a little sneaky kind of consolation or a little kind of scare him early on kind of goal. So, three games and a bonus. The click of the pen means that all predictions are in the book. And that is the prediction train pulling into the station. So, Paul, where do we head to now on our journey through the football world? Uh, well, it's, it'd, be, beyond, it'd be remiss of us to not discuss some of the goings-on of this week, wouldn't it? Love goings-on. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, been a fairly quiet week, but no, no, it's absolutely not. Not for me, anyway. 
Well, obviously not. Um, obviously, there was the talk of the whole takeover that had been completed. Um, I don't think it was. Uh, had it been? I don't know if. No, I don't think it had been confirmed uh, last week that Middlesbrough had signed Florin Balogun from Arsenal loan to the end of the season. But obviously, that is now confirmed uh, as I'm picking into Scott. Um, but also signed another player, uh, Australian international central midfielder Riley McGree. Uh, they signed him from an MLS franchise and beat Selvik to his uh, to his signature apparently, which uh, that did not go down well in Glasgow. Yeah, the Twitter police in Glasgow having a right field day. So apparently the uh, the borough admin's just been uh, just been on fire, just rinsing Celtic fans and stuff like that. <coughs> In the same way that when the when they announced that uh, Balogun had signed, they uh, they, uh, they, <laughs> they tweeted something like a picture of him pointing at the badge because he knows how to do that. Uh, I believe it was something like knows where the badge is, knows where the back of the net is, something along those lines. Blah blah blah, and it was like. Just, just, just lovely. Um, that's that sort of it from a from a borough perspective. Other than the uh, the ongoing derby situation, so um, derby have told their administrators that um, they can leave administration, but only if the ongoing suits uh, brought against them by Wickham and Steve Gibson on behalf of Middlesbrough are dropped. So if Middlesbrough and Wickham don't drop their uh, their countersuits against Derby, uh, they will be unable to uh, exit administration, which means that liquidation of the company, and therefore the football club, would be an almost certainty. Oh no, what a shame. Pay your fucking bills. I was about that as an idea. Well, I think, I think that's the thing, isn't it, you know, It'll be like pleading to the better kind of thing, and I mean, I don't know, I don't know what, I don't, I don't want to comment on it, but you know, Steve Gibson always seems like a decent guy, and I don't know whether we want to kind of put them into administration, but also there's got to be some kind of principle of like, well, you know, you didn't kind of pay the money. I think for say Middlesbrough, I don't want to kind of, kind of cast aspersions, but you can probably afford to forego however much money robbed from you a club like Wickham I don't think can forego the money that they stole from them and you know going into administration is effectively you know going right we can't pay our bills we're not going to pay our bills screw you kind of thing and you know part of me's like stamp on the neck and part of me's like you know god you know do we have to kind of go through it Um, but yeah it's it's a it's a funny one. Um, I kind of hope, I, I, you know, in a way, I hope they kind of do just kind of <laughs> finish them off really, and they can start again from the bottom. It's it's that sort of it's that sort of like weird situation that obviously Steve Steve Gibson's he's not he's not a vindictive guy. He's not going out he's not going out in like saying that he wants to see Derby die. Obviously, he feels that as a businessman, he was. He had wronged them to him, and and therefore mm-hmm. his club, and he's based, and he's merely seeking like you know, recompense for 
for I was going to say services rendered, but services not rendered, I suppose, in this regard. But you know, opportunities missed out on the fact that Derby were outside of the financial fair play regulations in that season was the same season that Middlesbrough finished seventh and Derby finished sixth, and therefore took the spot that Middlesbrough would have got to get into the playoffs. Fair enough. We might have got beaten by Leeds over two legs. We might not have done what Derby did. We may have got to the uh, to the playoff final and lost against Villa like Derby did. But we didn't have a chance to do that because of their questionable bookkeeping. So all he's claiming is that the opportunity for Middlesbrough to get promoted back into the Premier League was taken away from them by dealings that were out of their control. So that's why he's obviously seeking the compensation and things like that. So who knows? It'll. I think. I think it's come out in the last couple of days that they're happy to agree uh, a settlement with the new owners if they want to take it external to like the courts and stuff like that, which could very well be um, Mike Ashley if he is the interested party who's looking to come in and take over Derby, and that's something that could be agreed out of the courtroom and stuff like that. And I think I think Gibson would be more than happy with that. All he's looking for is a he's looking for a settlement that's just agreeable to both parties. Basically, he's not and looking to not looking to take them to task and like that absolutely cripple them. Like bear in mind, he took over as the he took over as the Middlesbrough chairman when Middlesbrough were liquidated, and then obviously they put the package together to rescue the club so they wouldn't go out of business altogether. And then kept yeah. him the, kept him in the football league. So it's not as if he's just thinking, "Ooh, that'll be a that'll be a hilarious little thing for Derby to have to go through." <laughs> he's been through it himself, so he doesn't exactly want to do it. But he knows that for for the good and the sort of the keeping the like, the reputation of the game intact, he, he feels exactly what he needs to do. We all know that Mike, Mike Ashley likes to splash a bit of cash in the northeast as well. So you know. I think that's the thing. It's the it's the it's the blatant disregard for like running your club properly, and you know you said questionable bookkeeping. No, no it's damn right, I'm criminal. Not not criminal. Criminal's a bit too far, maybe. But it, it's it's going against the rules. It's it's you know you know what you're doing. You know that that it's been done in the past. You know, <clears throat> Leicester did it, and obviously it worked out for Leicester because they got promoted and. You know, see you later. Um, QPR did it as well. Was it QPR? QPR, Bournemouth. There's there's loads of clubs that have done it, and it's worked out for them because they ended up getting promoted. It's the teams that do it don't get promoted, and then they get they get like shanned off by it because they just don't have the the income to cover the losses that they that they'd incurred in that sort of two or three year period. Yeah. So, but the whole point of it, the whole part of the model, is to stop is to stop this from happening to clubs. Is to say, don't spend beyond your means so that we don't have to come in and basically just deduct loads of points off you to punish you to not do it again. And oh no, your club's folded because you're only fucking money. I mean, this or, is exactly what was, was, or what's commonly known as uh, do elite. Um, yeah, I think I think you know we could kind of we could take that conversation into I think like the, is it the this Fulham run of Three six nil wins in a row. They've, uh, no, was it seven? Was it seven nil six two six two? They've won in their last three games. That's insane. Nineteen scored, four conceded in three games. It just it's turns the competition, is it? 
It's a joke. And they'll go up next week. But surely we're getting to that point where you're getting a bunch of teams that are too good for the championship but not good enough when they get up to the Premier League and it's going to start it's going to start creating like a it's going to start the Premier League 2 isn't it it's going to start a push for a Premier League 2 or it's going to start a push to expand the Premier League to say like 24 teams or something like that I don't think they'll ever do that because it was it was reduced, wasn't it? Um, it was. It started to, off with twenty two. Yeah, to reduce the amount of games that the top clubs were playing because they're playing in the Champions League and stuff. What I could see is a league, a Premier League one with eighteen, and then a Premier League two with another eighteen, and then the Championship gets pushed even further down. I mean, the worst thing that could happen is if they try and seal it off and and say, right, yeah, we're not doing promotion and relegation which is the dangerous kind of side of it but I just thought just looking at that you know three wins of six goals scoring six goals plus in a row and it's not the first time this season they've gone on a run where it's like oh crap they've scored like an un, an un, a, a not ordinary amount of goals in a match consecutively kind of thing and it's not it's what is it I, I, can't, I can't think of a it's like oh yeah, you know, when the phrase goes out of your mind, the wrestling, it's a, what is it, an unbiased ass whooping or something like that. There's no kind of like, uh, they're not they're not beating, the, they're not beating up on the little teams, they're just beating everybody and it doesn't matter who you are, you know, Blackburn got stuffed and they're a decent team and, you know, like, you know, it was a good team getting the Bristol City was the result that shocked me as much because I know they're not like, sorry Andy, I know they're not world beaters, but they're not, they're not a team to be on the, like ass end of a six two defeat. They're in the playoffs, aren't they? Are they in the playoffs? No, that's QPR. But then to go and turn that like I say that six two result out twice, it's just it's insane. Like it's, it, if But it's one of those ones where there's gonna be some smug bastard who sat in the stands who's gone to the bookies beforehand and has put a has put a daft quid on six two. Because you always get them you always get them that one person who goes in and gets like odds of like 250 to 1 on a ridiculous score and it always it always it always happens so just weird especially if they've done it the first week and then the second week as well yeah but the um, so speaking of uh, irregular betting Arsenal might be getting paid a visit from the uh, investigators work this week from what we've seen mm. so in response, this is, so this is directly from Sky. In response to a story published by The Athletic, an FA spokesperson told Sky Sports News the FA is aware of the matter in question and is looking into it. Arsenal declined to comment on the story when contacted by Sky Sports News. The FA is aware of the allegations that a yellow card received by an Arsenal player in a Premier League fixture this season raised concerns around suspicious betting patterns. Now, if that player is not named Granite Xhaka, I will be astounded... He must be the most booked player in Arsenal's history or something like that, given like Patrick Vieira run for his money. But if they come out with a report saying it's Xhaka, people are like, oh yeah, throw that out the window because he's just a dirty bastard and that's just standard. You know, anyone bet, anyone's betting on that one, aren't you? And that's not it. You know, it's if someone completely out of the blue is like, oh right, yeah, that's a, bit, that's a bit of a weird one to get booked early on. They're not that kind of player. 
actually, the, the, the article's not actually that long, so I'll just go through the rest of it, because it shouldn't take me too long. Uh, in response to a story published by the, by the Athletic, an FA spokesperson tells Sky Sports News, the FA is aware of the matter in question is looking into it. As on the kind of comment, um, the Athletic story reports, bookmakers alerted the FA to an unusual amount of money placed on the Arsenal player being shown a yellow card during a Premier League game this season. The Athletic also claims to know the identity of the player in question, but has agreed not to reveal it at this time due to privacy reasons. Well, surely, yes, they must know the identity of the player, otherwise they wouldn't publish the story, surely. Because it's a bit of a non-story if you don't... You would have thought so. But it'll, it'll certainly be interesting, because... I would dare say if that all comes out and it, and it gets proven to be um, to be fully accurate and stuff, yeah, that guy's going to be getting a severe ban. I won't be surprised if it's if it's double figures of games that he's banned for. Well, it's, it's, I mean, you've got to go back to the sixties before anything that that kind of reflects anything like this happening before. I and mean, some of those guys lost their career. Well, Matt, was... Matt, Matt Letizia covered something similar in his book. He said that he, um, I, I can't remember what it was, I, I think that, I don't know if they caused it, caused it a spread betting or pot betting or something like that, but there was there was one game that he played, I think he said it was like it was away at Crystal Palace or something like that, um, and he looked at the odds before the game, and the odds for the first throwing, you could obviously bet whichever side it was that got the first throwing. Um, so we obviously backed Palace to get the first throwing and put, like, Two grand on it, or ten grand. It was a ridiculous, a ridiculous sum of money, because the payout was like fairly decent. And all he knew was that all he needed to do was then to win the toss, get the kickoff, or take the first kickoff in the game. He needed to get the ball and just absolutely lump it out of the out, out of the out of touch. And he said that what happened was that it all went to plan. They got the they got the uh, they won the toss and got the kickoff and stuff like that. And he was like, right. Well, I can't just like oof it straight into touch because that's going to look proper dodgy. So what he needed to do was that he had to. By the way, this isn't slander or anything. This is this is in Matt Letizia's book, perfectly legitimate and stuff like that. Um, he said what he had to do was he had to get the ball back from the kickoff and then basically trying to aim like a long ball down the wing. But uh, he was like, well, what I'll do is I'll just put a little bit extra on it than what I would normally do, so it doesn't look that obvious. And then he said he shot himself as he saw that Rod Wallace or Danny Wallace was chasing down the wing. <laughs> and he was like, shit, he's going to get that. He's going to get that. And he apparently just missed it and it bounced out. He's like, oh, oh. and then apparently after that, he never bet anyone football again. But it, it definitely takes place. And so, oh, oh, this... They've put a blanket They've put a blanket ban on it now. And they said that anyone, I think it's even as far down as like Northern League or something like that. It's, it's worse. Pretty much as far and down it, the pyramid as you can get, and it ain't just players though either. Because like back in like the days of me working in the club shop, we we would quite regularly on a match day it would be chippy run at dinner, and everyone would have filled in a knacker, and we'd we'd got the chippy, got the bookies back to the ground. Now even if you work in the club shop and have no bearing on the game whatsoever, you're not allowed to. How crazy! Wow. It's, I mean, you, you like I said, you, we, we've gone to games where you've been like, that's dodgy. You know, just like, if they take the kick off and it's like, obviously they must say, if they got like, get someone else in on it, right, we just ping it out left. You just make look, make it look like you were going for it and you just think, you know, like, there's been so many times when I've been at Forest and they're like, 
they, they take the kick off and it goes straight out for a throw in and like, you're like, fine. So it's, so you know you might as well you could hear his mates cheering outside the ground as he's just pinged out for a thing and his mates all made ten grand. Yeah, you know. this this is a revelation for me because I'm I'm now reconsidering every kick off that I've ever seen Hull take. <laughs> it's it generally ends up back from even from the Peter Taylor days right up to now. It's it's either they pass it back and lump it forward, or it's they'll play it out to the wing and it goes out to out into touch. I think there's, been, there's probably a couple of times when I turned to my dad and went, oh, that was rubbish, and my dad went, uh-huh. So, obviously, my dad was like, yeah, that's dodgy. But, obviously, because I was young and didn't kind of think that people would do that kind of thing, was like, oh, yeah, that was rubbish, and he's just like, oh, yeah, well, that was fixed. Kind of thing, I should have been on Forest, you know, the other team getting the first throw in. <laughs> um, just whilst we've sort of come to an end of that, I'll, all right, to quickly tie up the, the, the rest of the story from the takeover stuff because um, it does link into a little bit more uh, transfer news as well so as we mentioned last week uh, the figure touted was around 30 million um, to buy the football club or as we, we also called it a third of a, a Jack Grealish um, the, the takeover went through officially about 90 minutes before the game last night um, and it was the, the statement went on the website everything um, and as luck would have it, when I went to the game, I'd walked around to the West End to go and uh, meet my friends. And it was just as the new guy was arriving. So there was a bit of a fanfare of like him getting into the ground. And spare a thought for the merchandising uh, folks. And uh, as, as, the, as he proudly walks into the ground as owner for the first time and waved a flag with the old crest on. I'm sure that has gone down an absolute treat <laughs> in the offices, um, but I thought it was quite funny. Um, there was a bit came out, so obviously the, the future of Grant McCann and his staff is all a bit kind of up in the air at the moment. Don't really know what's going to happen. Um, if the result had gone badly against Blackburn, I suspect that would have probably been it anyway and used as the excuse to, to clean house a little. Um the uncertainty around that, around the takeover and stuff beforehand, was, is apparently what's led to McGuinness going to Wigan. Um, he had six months left on his contract, apparently, and because there was no stability, you know, no sort of stability in the background, they, they couldn't offer him any terms on a new deal at the time. Um, so he's gone for the, the short bet, which you can't blame the guy for doing it. But apparently, there was a bit of uh, a bit of disappointment from the manager that. They didn't manage to retain last season's top scorer, even though he's not exactly hit the ground running in the, the championship. I, I think that's probably fair to say. Um, but yeah, the new the new owner instantly making an impact on the uh, the transfer news, as they've been linked with a two a, a two and a half million pound bid. Apparently, has been put in for Alexander Pesic, a twenty nine year old striker from uh, a Turkish side. Well, uh, f- and again, forgive me for the pronunciation. Fatty Karamgurk. I'm sure that is not how you say it, but that is how it is phonetically spelled. So, um, yeah, if we've got any Turkish listeners, please feel free to correct me. Um, but, yeah, we haven't spent £2.5 million on a player for a very long time, so that's quite um, interesting now to see how that, that unfolds. So, watch this space and uh, make sure you've got a bit of extra room in that predictions book, Andy, for that surname to, to go in. <laughs> I did see that um, 
I, th- I, I don't know if it was. I think it was at the weekend in the uh, in the Sky coverage of the Stoke game, where they'd said that one name that had come up as a potential managerial change was shot at Arva Ladzi, who used to play for Rangers, I think. Don't know where that link's come from because I don't think he's I don't think he's Turkish. I think he's Georgian. So, yeah, but like, unless, unless he maybe managed or played for a club that he's got involved with in Turkey, I don't know. I think he played there out there, didn't he? I honestly, I'm sure he played in Turkey. This this is the thing with the guy that they've been linked with just now. Like he's not, despite the fact that they were saying, "Oh, we're gonna we're gonna you know bring in Turkish this that and the other before the takeover went through." The guy that they're linked with not a Turkish player, but he just plays for a Turkish team. So that's obviously where they've kind of. Got a bit of information from. Was this the name of the club you were talking about? No. Fatty Karamgirk was the one that oh. it said. But Paul's just pulling up random Turkish teams on his phone now. No, that that was they were a uh, Uzbekistani team. Oh, well, completely <laughs> correlated. Oh, Tashkent. Um, needless to say, I obviously will have to buy a shirt as. Um, as soon as someone hears that name, she will absolutely love it. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but yeah, in terms of Hull City news, that was it's been a big week, but that was kind of kind of it for now. Yeah, how, how do you how do you feel about it all? Um, mixed really. The the Alums outstayed their welcome for far too long. In the end, they did they did a few things right. Let's you know, let's not write it off completely. But they also did a hell of a lot of things wrong. Um, two, promotion, two promotions of them. Mm-hmm. But but yeah, let's not forget alienate. I suppose three. Let Let's not forget alienating the fan base though by trying to change the name of the club to Hull Tigers. Um. Also, deciding for a good portion of their uh, dictatorship. I mean, um, period in charge. They've uh, they also knocked off the concession prices. So if yeah, you were eight. Or if you were 80, you were paying a full adult's price. Wow, I mean, that, that is that is inexcusable. That and how the, how long how long were they getting away with that for? Because surely that must have been rectified pretty sharpish. Well, that uh, no, it wasn't, and that turned that myself included. Obviously, um, you know, with having the boys and stuff, that that kind of turned me away. Like it's. I'm lucky in the respect of when the boys are now, like my boys are now old enough to go and like enjoy the game of football. They have sorted it out now, and actually, I can't grumble at the prices we've paid for the tickets when you know for the for the um, games we've been to with the boys because um, I think the the juniors tickets were like seven pound fifty a throw. Absolute, like you, you'd take that all day long. But why do that now? Why not do that all? Like you know, they could have done that to begin with, and and not kind of upset and like, it, I. It's it's just simple business, isn't it? Like these are the people you are selling your product to. Try not to piss them off. It's it's something that I'll never understand. So like, it's it's a bone of contention for me at Borough because I don't think you can get a ticket at Borough now for under thirty pounds if you're paying on the day. This is just standard adult pricing, and that's not even the most expensive. I'm pretty sure the there's tickets in certain parts of the ground that are 38 quid, if not more. And that's for a home supporter. Um, my argument was that if you're if you're if you're getting 
17,000 fans, let's say, in a 35,000-seat stadium. So it's half full, and you're charging 35 quid a ticket. Why not drop it to 20 quid a ticket, and you might start seeing 26,000 fans in there. And, you know, fair enough. You're not making as much money per person, but you're probably making more money on the whole because you've got people that are going that are going to be spending money obviously for their ticket. They're going to be potentially spending money at the concourse on food, drink. Probably going to have a visit to the club shop. I mean, there's a there's a person sat on this podcast right now I don't think has come away from the Riverside without buying something from the club shop. So, um, it, to me, it just makes perfect sense that you would drop the prices lower so you get more fans in the stadium. Case in point, it's not a home game, but obviously the next round of the FA Cup, Borough were drawn against Man United away. They announced the ticket prices last week. Uh, away tickets for Old Trafford, £45. Absolutely ridiculous. I mean, uh, yeah, I mean, that's just a complete other discussion because they're just straight up. But, I mean, the, the, the problem is now major, the majority, I'm the majority. The majority of chairmen are just or owners are absolute mob dogs. They just want to make money out of the out of the game and any avenue to make money. And if people continue to pay it, I I'm going to tell you, I don't know how much forest tickets are. I haven't bought forest tickets for a long time. Do I plan on buying forest tickets anytime soon? Probably not. But I'd I'd probably be shocked at how much they'd be. And it would definitely put me off. It's probably why I haven't looked because the prospect. If I'm thinking, all oh, right, yeah, I'll buy some, and then I get there, it's thirty-five quid to go to Forest. I'm, I'm good, thanks. You know, uh, it's, you know, I know, you know, you know, prices go up with inflation and stuff like that. But you alien, alien, alienating yourself from your fan base, and you know, there'll be some people who'll pay it, and there'll be some people that'll sacrifice. Who knows what to pay that money instead? But at what point, you know, at what point is it, in a way, you kind of think, well, you know, obviously they lost money through COVID, but part of me is kind of thinking, they think, well, as long as you can make a load of money out of TV, then we're fine. Probably a discussion for another day, because I dare say we could do this for. Oh, at least 40 minutes on the price yeah. and things like that in football. So, yeah. I believe uh, I believe Mr Woodmancy might have a little uh, lighter note to end the show on this week. I do indeed. Um, little funny video caught my eye. It is up on the Sky Sports uh, app and website if, uh, if you do get a chance to see it before it disappears. But um, in the game this week between Port Vale and Salford, Tractor was brought on to save the day because they got the, basically a, a defender um, Connor Hall collided with the goalposts in the first half of the game and hit the goalposts so hard he bent them out of shape <laughs> and they, <laughs> the referee made out of titanium <laughs> well the, the ref the ref noticed he went you do on the video you can see him stood on the touchline like making sure the goals are level, um, and they had to bring on a tractor. Play was stopped for ten minutes um, whilst they got the, uh, the, the the post bent back into position. Um, but it did turn out to be the biggest cheer of the night as the tractor left the field from the home fans as uh, 
Salford scored a winner in the second half to win one nil. So unlucky, uh, Ville fans, but it was it was quite amusing to see it. Only in Stoke on Trent here, man. <laughs> I mean, it's yeah, that's... You to buy the pitch to go and do those kind of repairs. To be honest, you know. <laughs> I mean, I can't, I can't confirm or deny if, you know, it, it, I'm assuming it was a groundsman on a small tractor. It wasn't just one that they'd have to borrow from the car park. Anything else in the world of news and football? Lots of shaking heads over here. So that's that. This week's games are in the book with a bonus game for everybody's enjoyment. The news done. All that's left is to enjoy the games over the weekend and come back next week to find out who won the week, who's gonna win the week, and what news has been going on in the world of football. I will thank everybody here, our glorious host, Mr. Paul Williams, and our co chairman. Stuart Mansey, Matthew Moore, thank you everybody here for taking these lovely people through the sometimes murky waters of the football world. Join us next week, but until then, we shall all say goodbye and see you then. So there you go, what do you think of that? Another one done, another week of games gone, another week of games coming to look forward to. Ooh, so there's that. Wherever you get in your podcasts, if you could take two minutes to consider subscribing. If you're already one of our subscribers, big thank you. If you want to uh, pass the message on to other people, let them know what the great content we've got. And, uh, you know, maybe get them subscribing as well. That's it for this one. Until next time, I'm going to say bye, and I'll see you then. <laughs>